0: You're listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Tyler Jones. I'm your host. Thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. On the podcast today is Jason Rowland. He's a senior pastor in one of our elders here at Believers Baptist Church, and another of our elders, Philip Castleton.
1: What's been going on, guys? It's been busy. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of good things. Of course, uh, Tyler, you've been absent with your uh, business and, and work, and this is really the first time that we've been with you uh, for an extended time in a month or two. Yeah, we uh, would have been here yesterday,
0: right. but my wife's in quarantine Right. because so, of a coworker, yeah. So yeah. we thought uh, it best to not show up until we had some testing and stuff done. So just to make sure but she doesn't she feels fine um outside of allergies which right. I've had too. So right.
1: But well, yeah, we, we yeah, we've missed uh, your gifting and talent um, uh, with our um prompting us in corporate worship, but Philip's been in that role and and uh, done a great job and appreciate uh, him sharing his gifts and talents with us and um we've been able to still worship the Lord through music and Edify one another through song, but uh, looking forward to when you can come back and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you can step back in that place. I don't know if you could call him what he's been doing, um, working. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's really. the only
2: person I know who gets paid to go deer hunting. Right. Know. <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, not much. <laughs> it costs me to go deer hunting, yeah, and you yeah. get paid to go deer hunting. <laughs> so I had to, to I mean,
0: pay dues for a few years for that to actually be able to. Yeah, be, be <laughs> something that happens. So. Does that mean he's part of the deer hunting union? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I wish <laughs> there was one at this point. Take care of me a little better. But uh now I uh yeah, I've been out a little bit here and there. I think we were here two weeks ago, maybe, and then we missed last week, and then this past Sunday as well. And so we're obviously recording this a little bit ahead of time, but. Um, Uh, During November, I will be gone quite a bit, too, again. Um, But I get to be here for a few weeks in late October. So so. let me ask you a question. How did you get this gig? Did you just pray for it? That's exactly what I did, Philip. (laughs) You know, I was going to... Actually, I had a question as well, and my question uh, was for you. Um, Can I just ask and expect that anything that I want, if I pray in the name of Jesus, will come true?
2: Well, according to uh, modern evangelicalism uh i think that's the way most people understand that verse <laughs> right. yeah if you ask in jesus name he's bound to do it you know I, I um i was uh i was in a group of people a couple of years ago in the community in which i live and um something had happened and so this group of people were going to spontaneously pray right you know and um and they they used all the the out of context you know you know clichés or whatever you know lord we're here and you know, will you say wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you know? Uh-huh. And there's, you know, there's eight of us, so it must count, right? <laughs> Four times is good. Yeah. And then, uh, or, you know, they get to it when you say, if we ask anything in your name, you know, so we know it's going to happen, you know? And, and so um, I was just thinking the whole time. Would it be beneficial if I corrected them right now on, on, on the fact that they've
1: taken all these uh, verses out of their context? Uh, I, I have to ask, what was that song that we uh, listened to? If it's been several months ago, the out of context, the worship song. Uh, oh, oh the, yeah, the, the it was called
2: the.
0: Um, it's like the worship worship song yeah. or something, yeah. worship, worship
1: songs. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and one of the, the phrases or statements in the song was uh, uh, something about an out-of-context verse yeah. or something. Yeah, it
2: is. In fact, I told you this morning that I, I saw a shirt, which I'm going to try to have made, that says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is
2: exactly what this is. Which is what's going on in this verse. Mm-hmm. It, it, in John 14... Uh, verses um, 13 and 14, it says this, um, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, if we want to understand it, and, and this, is the, this is the way it is with all, all these verses that are, are, are often misunderstood, um, we start with a theology or a, an understanding, a hermeneutic, a, a, a way of interpreting Scripture that says that um, every verse is a proverb. And every verse is a verse that stands alone all by itself and doesn't have anything around it which would um, aid in its understanding or aid its interpretation. And that's a, the wrong way to understand the scriptures. I mean, uh, you know, if I were to take a love letter that you had written to your wife um, and I read one sentence out of it and then I picked up another love letter you wrote to your wife and read one sentence out of it and a, a third love letter you wrote to your wife and, and read one sentence out of it, um, I could easily... Develop uh, an idea about you that is misconstrued, right? Sure. Um, uh, you know, I could take one letter you wrote to Jason, one letter you wrote to your wife, and one letter you wrote to somebody else, and and and, and take a, a line or two out of each one, and and develop a, a, a an estimation about your character that or or your life or your um, you know intentions that are inaccurate, right? Because there's no context. Well, that's what people do with the scripture. They take a verse. And then they they jerk it out of its context. And, man, I mean, these are two great verses for it. I mean, they suit my desires, my needs. Uh, They say that um, when I have a desire, whether it um, uh, is for my gain or or not, whether it's for my betterment or not, um, even if it's quite selfish, the Bible promises that if I ask anything, in his name, he will do it. You know, there's right in the middle between those two things I read, there's a statement in there that qualifies all of this. Look what it says in verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And here's the qualifier, that, that, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's a qualifying statement, right? So if you ask something in my name that has God's glory as its intention, right? Not, not yours, not your betterment, not your, um, you know, um, not the edification of your bank account or your reputation or 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 you know, your love life or whatever the case may be. No, if God's glory is is the goal. He promises to to meet that, right? but what does it mean to ask in the name of? And what is this verse written? What is the context that, that this verse is written? Well, let's go back and, and, and give some consideration to the context so we can make sense of it. If we just go back, this is in chapter 14 of John. Like I said, we were reading verse 13 and 14. But if we just go back to verse 1 of chapter 14... Uh, you know, Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples and look what he says. Let's let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my father's house are many rooms. If it were not, so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. It's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father. There's the context, right? He has said, I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave. I'm about to go away you know you're going to come one of these days you're going to be with me but for now i'm about to leave right he he tells them that they're going to be do, they're going to be able to do works and um and we could even get into that if we need to um that are or, or more if you will in significance than the works that he himself has done right and i'm sure the question you know he doesn't need to ask questions God, jesus doesn't he knows what's in a man and he is about, if you will, to answer the question, I think, that he knew was probably um, swelling up in these men. They have counted on Jesus the whole time to, to answer their questions, right? To guide them, to lead them, to empower them, right? And he's just promised them that they're going to do works that are greater than his own. And I'm sure they're thinking, how? 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 How are we going to do that? Set all of that context. And then he says, if you ask in my name anything, I'll do it. He's in essence uh, answering their question. Just because I'm leaving does not mean that I'm leaving you equipped. Does not mean that I'm not leaving you with exactly what you need to accomplish what I've promised you you will accomplish. Um, In 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 their hour, in their moment of loss, right, Um, he he comforts them with what they know will be necessary, uh, necessary rather, the the resources that are going to be necessary for them to accomplish what he's told them to accomplish. I think that's what's being set forth here. And even then, what we need to understand is what does it mean to pray in the name of does that mean tacking on, as MacArthur says, to tack on the name at the end of the prayer? We do that often, right? We say, and I ask these things in the name of Jesus, you know. Well, th- there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's an appropriate way to pray. I, I-, I don't think that um, whether you do it or not is inappropriate. I think it's okay, is what I'm saying. I do it often. But does that mean that that's what it means? No, I think in the name of means in consistency with who the person is, right? So um, am I asking something that's consistent with the nature of God? Am I asking something that seeks his glory? And I think that's what this statement here in the middle that I pointed out makes sense of. Is it something that seeks for his benefit and not mine, right? Is it something that um, um, is based in his merits, right? When we ask, you know, everything we do, and First Peter teaches this as well, everything we do, our acceptance as, for example, in First Peter 2, our acceptance as the temple of God, as the people of God, our acceptance is in, in, in every way, everything that God has made us, we're accepted because of who Christ is. So when we ask in the name of Christ, we're asking on the basis of His merit, His earning, not our own. We're not coming to God saying, God, I've been a pretty good guy. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you give me what, what I deserve. We're asking that, Father, on the basis of what Christ deserves, on the, on the basis of what Christ has merited, that, 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 you, that you meet and satisfy our needs and our desires and equip us to to do what you have have mandated for us to do, what we are powerless to do on our own.
1: I think that's what's being communicated here. Right. I think you've done well in setting the context in that, uh, this is the upper room scene. This mm-hmm. is Jesus um, with the disciples. Um, he has just said, as you said, that he's departing. Um, they don't understand. They're confused. They've been with Jesus for three years. They've been with him day and night. He's been the teacher. They've been the disciples. And that's why he starts out, don't let your heart be troubled mm-hmm. and believe in God, believe also in me. And and this is a great text. And um, the the. Um, sense of, of loss is heavy uh, with these disciples. So I think you're right. I think all through these early verses of chapter 14 and into um, the verses that we're looking at and considering, the idea is, well, okay, how am I going to do this? How am mm-hmm. I going to do this? So I think you set the context well. I think that one of the things that um, is misunderstood about this idea of praying is what you were talking about in praying in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know, we we do Mm -hmm. that. And it's almost as if we feel that that's some kind of um, a magical or – Uh, definitive kind of statement that has to be said. Um, And I'm with you. I don't think it's wrong to say it. I just think that we need to think carefully about why we're saying it, as you were trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, because we pray in Jesus' name, because we are praying consistently with who He is and the things that you had said earlier, so I'll not repeat all that. Um, But I think we need to do a better job of... Teaching our people what it is to pray in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And then I love the qualifying statement that you uh, brought out of the text because I think it is definitely spot on. And the, I guess the thing that I want to ask um, in thinking about this is that qualifier statement that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I think that we have a definite way to pray that we can know we're praying with that qualifier. And that is praying the scripture. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. When we pray the scripture, um, then we know that we're praying God's word back to him. Mm -hmm. And there's no question, unless we're going to manipulate the scripture and twist the scripture with um, false intention or motive, uh, there's no way that that text, if we're praying with pure motives is going to be anything other than um, in line with what God intends and His glory and the glory of the Son. Um, and so that's why I think that we, we come to pray um, and we're not taught well how to pray because we're basing prayers on bad praying in church and public prayers. Uh, and so we tend to um, think that our prayers have to be prayed with certain phrases, certain words, some kind of um, thought. That, um, for example, uh, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard that all of our life, and and I get the intent, and I, and I understand what the the thought is there, but we're told to confess our sins and to be specific in agreeing with God that our sins, whether there be pride or self-righteousness or lust or doubt or fear, whatever it may be, we are agreeing with God that that is a sin. So does just say, "Forgive us of our sins." There may be times that we pray it that way, but I don't think that is consistently teaching our people how to pray. But no, but but even the statement you just made, uh, like for example,
2: if we ask for we want to confess our sins and ask that Jesus forgive our sins, th- the basis for which our sins are forgiven are Christ's merit. Yes. That's the basis on which our forgiveness is possible. Outside of what Christ has done, we have no standing before God. Every standing, every place. Uh, uh, First Peter says the grace in which we stand, this position of grace in which we stand is, is on, on the merits of Christ's work, right? Yes. So that being said, when I ask to be forgiven, I ask on the basis of who and what Christ has done. That's what it means to ask in Jesus' name. Yes. Right? So when, when I approach God and say, on the, bar- on the basis, on the merit of who Christ is, his perfect life, his perfect obedience, his, his, and his substitutionary work on my behalf, I ask that my sins be forgiven. Mm-hmm. I own up that I am a sinner, and I have violated God's word, and I have no standing on my own. But in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, who does have merit... On that basis, I'm forgiven. Right. I think that's what it means, yes, right? absolutely. And on that basis, when I come before God with that kind of request, based in who Christ has done, he says, I will forgive. Right. I will give you,
1: I will do for you what I've promised to do for you. Right. I, and I think that the reason for the question is because people tend to think that we can pray for um, a specific job or a opportunity, or we can pray for health, or we can pray for a new car, whatever we might be praying for, that if we just uh, believe that God's going to hear this prayer, and we pray it in Jesus' name, that that will come true. That will be the reality of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, that's that's not a good way to think. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that they, they think it's
2: some kind of magical incantation. Right. Right. I say this, and I've said the the the, the right. right word, and I've tacked it on. I knew a woman um, years ago who had gone through a divorce, and um, um, she used to claim that because she was praying and making these claims in Jesus' name, that her husband would come home. Uh, that. Um, That she wouldn't let any of her friends, or family, or anybody park in the parking spot at her house because that was her husband's, and he was coming home. God had made this God had made this promise because of this prayer, right? That she had prayed in Jesus' name, so he was obligated to do that. God was obligated, Mm -hmm. and it was a lack of faith Mm -hmm. on on her part if she let anybody park in his parking spot. Yeah, because if he came home, his parking spot needed to be open. Right. And um, and I always, even then, I thought, man, this is such a strange way to understand, um that as a promise, right, mm-hmm. um, to, to understand that Scripture as some kind of carte blanche, um, you know, promise right. that, um, uh, you know, if I, just, if, if I just say the incantation the right way, um, it's almost like hocus pocus type stuff, right? right. I mean, right. If I say it the right way, then I've obligated God, um, you know, to, to meet my desires, even if they happen to be fleshly. Uh, and I'm not saying her desire for her husband to come home was fleshy. I'm just saying though right. um God made no promise in that sense uh you know that he was going to restore, restore her marriage because of of her uh, the particular wording she used in her prayer mm-hmm. right I,
0: I have to think that the um and if you read the scripture that the intent or what was what was taken from if you pray this in my name would be more gratitude. In that situation than us today asking for something and expecting God to do something. It's a little I would think that we kind of expect God to do something in this sense, if this is how we think about this. And in that situation in the Bible, it was more of man, I can't believe that I actually have this relationship. And that God loves me this much. No, I I I think you're right. I think that's kind of the difference um, in the way we would perceive it, you know. Yeah. Some of the common ways in which this is misconstrued is if you,
2: I, I don't know if I should encourage people or not, but if you ever see, for example, on TV, faith healers or something like that, a lot of times what they do is they'll walk up and, you know, they'll, you know. Some person has come up for some kind of temporal physical healing or something like that. And they'll smack a person on the head and yell, in Jesus' name, you know, or something like, you know, like this is the thing, you know, well, Satan has to flee, right? This, this demon that is, that is, you know, is, is manifested itself in, you know, in, um, uh cerebral palsy (laughs) because this is the way they think right Right, right. i mean you got cerebral palsy obviously your parents didn't have enough faith or you're, you're in you know you've got some oh come on right but they slap you in the head and say in jesus name and it's supposed to all go away and 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 they are not understanding this at all um you know the context everything that that has been given um even if um even if it were some kind of magical incantation, the fact that we have a particular context that says that it's for God's glory through the Son, and we have other scriptures that say that sometimes the hardships that we go through ultimately prove to be out for God's glory, right? I mean, you know, so it doesn't promise physical healing in this life. Sometimes um, the ongoing Hardship, which manifests itself with true belief at the end of it, that is God's glory Mm -hmm. manifest in the life of a believer. Someone like Justin Peters, for example, who is going to live his entire life with cerebral palsy, Mm -hmm. and he's going to die cerebral palsy but he's going to be resurrected without cerebral palsy that is a glorious thing that's the hope that is right mm. that is a glorious thing and at that point it won't be hope because it'll be seen right right, right. uh so that uh, is for god's glory mm-hmm. and um and we forget that um god doesn't have to be glorified um in this life by the healing of everybody mm. uh physically or um uh, you know, and and that's that overrealized eschatology, mm-hmm. right? That uh, things that God has promised us in in His work of salvation, it always works out into temporal blessings, mm-hmm. and that's the I think the misunderstanding. So, that.
0: can we? And I don't want to jump ahead too far here, but can we talk about how to pray? And you know, I know that a lot of people teach acts. The method of prayer and acts or whatever, and there's supplication at the end of that, right? Mm-hmm. so right. How, yeah, how
1: adoration Thanksgiving or adoration confession, confession, Thanksgiving supplication, which is a pattern that we use in our the the church praying our monthly Sunday night gathering of the congregation to pray and the elders do verbal prayers and we use that acronym um, to divide up how we're going to pray. so uh, I might pray a prayer of adoration and Philip would pray a prayer of confession and so forth. Roughly so. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Jason, in
2: one of these podcasts not too long ago, did say he had less experience at sin than the rest of us. <laughs> 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 and so
1: probably confession should be mine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And by the way, what we do there is we... We take a text of Scripture, so I'll find a text of Scripture in which adoration seems to be the major theme, and I will pray that that text, whether it be a psalm or some other um, verses, a grouping of verses, and then Philip will do the same. Um, But to your point or to your question, I guess, we're trying to set a stage or a pattern to teach people how to pray. We're trying to teach, number one, that you can use these acronyms if you want to use an acronym. Or primarily, I think what we're trying to teach is here's how you can open the Bible and pray that. Yeah. you know, And I, I think, um, as I said just a moment ago, I, I think we need to do a better job in verbally praying in the context of the body gathered to, to teach our people Um and I think we need to pray along the lines that you're talking about, Philip, uh, where we are praying at the prayer of recognizing what God has done for us in Christ, recognizing that we, um, in this life, still war in our flesh, yeah. and we so we still need to confess.
2: Well, the interesting thing, and like I said, that makes sense of this, at least in my understanding, and maybe it's because I've spent so much time in First Peter lately, you know, but... You know, he, he, he just starts off talking about our salvation, but he, he, he makes so many statements there at the beginning. Uh, you know, the, the grace in which we stand is on the merits of Christ. The fact that we no longer need a mediator, right? Because we had a once-for-all mediator. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's torn down this veil which separated. I mean, we have mm-hmm. access to God on the basis of what Christ done. The reason you can go pray at all to God is on the basis of Christ's merit. Mm-hmm. That's the reason we have access to God in that I don't need a priest that I don't need to go sit before a priest who makes some kind of atonement work and you know it makes intercessory uh, intercession for me because I have that in Christ. I have that mediatorial and intercessory work in Christ. So everything, the fact that I can pray at all directly to God and make my petitions known is on the basis of Christ's merit. And I think that is the whole point to all of this. You know, if you come, uh, if you try to come to God on your own, you, you won't be heard, period. But if you come to God on the basis of Christ
1: and his merit, in His name, and He will He will hear yeah. you. I think the danger, though, um, is that we have this picture of God being um, a vending machine. And so we pray this in Jesus' name prayer and, um, you know, out of the machine will come whatever we desire. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, you're you're spot on. And I think Tyler's got a good question. You know, how do we think about prayer? Because it's either that idea that God's this vending machine, we use the right formula and we get the ticket or the item that we want. Or... Um, if we go to the other side of that and say, well, God is sovereign and he's providentially working, then they say, well, why well, pray then? You know, mm. what, What's the point of mm. praying? And so we've got these two extremes, and the reality is that we find ourselves in the um, middle um, being exhorted and even commanded to pray, and the purpose being not something we can manipulate God, But so that we might align ourselves, I think, in some ways with bringing glory to God uh, through the Son, praying in the marriage of Christ, you know, bringing us back to grace and um, what it is to be obedient in the strength of grace, um, bringing us back to a place of dependency. Mm -hmm. That's one reason we're praying. Um, And I think in answer to your question, again, Tyler, I I think the way that we pray is just by having been saturated with the Word, Mm -hmm. being in the Word continually so that the Word actually becomes part of your prayers, even if you're not opening your Bible and praying directly out of it. So, you know, we can pray based on an informed mind Mm -hmm. Um, you had the mind of Christ, you had the Word of God in um, before you, it's in you, it's in your heart, it's in your mind. Those things then help you know how to pray uh, and to pray better. And, you know, we're going to attack another subject um, on another podcast,
2: which is going to deal even more specifically with the fact that often we don't know how to pray. Oh, yeah. We just don't know how to pray. And when we fail, this is the wonderful thing about uh, about God's work is he's given us a spirit who groans right. and he prays because he knows the mind of God. And when we fail in this aspect, we have an intercessor
1: there as well. I, I've got a question. Why are, why are, what are some reasons uh, that people don't pray? Busy. Yeah, busyness of life. Especially in America. Yeah. Um, there may be some thoughts that God doesn't hear us. Guilt. Uh, guilt. From not praying yes, yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah I haven't been praying so I better probably I probably ought
2: not to yeah. <laughs> you know where I think that um, it just shows our own lack of um, either clarity on who God is or whatever the case may be that we can justify something like that right I'm, I'm I, you know or you commit a sin that 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 sin that so often ensnares you and entangles you you do it and you know God saw it right I mean you know he did. And yet, you, you just can't hardly bring yourself to say, I did it again. You know, I need, I need forgiveness, Lord. I need, I need strength. I need power. But you, you know we saw it. And yet, you know, or you feel guilty, right? Because you haven't prayed. And you don't want to come and say, I haven't prayed. Right? You don't want to do that. And it's amazing that we know. That he didn't. He, he that he sees everything we do, and yet we think if we just don't open our mouth about it, maybe somehow we'll skate, skate by. Yeah, yeah. And it's just um, it just shows that there's something really uh, a, a remiss that remains in us even after. Um, uh, there's something that's still awry. That right. that that flesh that remains un unredeemed flesh that remains, as as Paul would say, and. In, in Romans seven. Um right. there's just parts of us that just still
1: don't do what we know to is right. Right. Um Stacy, I try to um as the spiritual leader, as the husband, um one of the things that I um try to do regularly with Stacy is pray. Mm-hmm. And um if I have done something, you know, that would have been mean spirited toward her or, you know, just rude or crude or whatever Um, It's really hard for me to pray because I'm like, "Ah, she knows me the best. And that's ridiculous. I just, that was folly for me to do that and act that way. I can't pray with her now, you know, so I excuse myself. And and there's times I don't pray because I'm feeling this guilt, this sense of shame. But that's the very same attitude we take to God. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the very that's same important. attitude we take to God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think another reason we don't pray, besides you know just the messiness of life, and uh, goes back to how, people don't know how to pray. They don't know how to think about how to pray, and that's one reason that we try to model what it is to pray the Scripture, as I said. Yeah. And um, there's a book that we give away in our Know the Faith, which is our monthly elders panel discussion on different topics. But um, it's called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney, which is a, a brief little book. It's, it's not long at all, but it has some great thoughts and ideas. It's less than 100 pages on how to pray the Scripture, mm-hmm. and um, we try to give that away. And, and we have several copies of that available to anybody who's listening to the podcast. You could come contact us, and we'll be glad to give you one of these. Uh, I think another reason we don't pray is our, we're self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. In our culture, we have everything at our fingertips, You know, it's instant gratification. Um, We've got our bank accounts and our debit cards and we've got our cars and, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is just easy and comfortable and convenient. So why pray? I mean, I've I've got, I got this, you know, and we, we tend to use God as a spare tire. Um, When there's something beyond what we um, can handle in the moment, then we, ask God, would you intervene in this situation? Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a, you know, prayer is this big thing that we don't have time to address every nuance of it in this podcast, but um, that was a good question that you had. And um, I think you did a good job in putting that verse in context for us because um, we can't, uh, I guess I, uh, the reality is I've got to get quit praying for that four-wheel drive tr- pickup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I need to quit praying to go hunting with Tyler.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast. If what you've heard today has been helpful to you, please subscribe. On behalf of the elders of BBC, I invite you to a worship service at Believers Baptist Church this coming Sunday. The Bible study hour begins at 9.15 and the worship service begins at 10.30. Grace and peace.